In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives life to everyone was coming into the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Would you pray with me? God, it is our prayer this morning that you would dwell with us in your fullness. May your spirit have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, John 1:14. The Word, logos in the Greek, is an expression of a thought or a saying, and it's used primarily of Christ to express the thoughts of the Father through the Spirit. The Word became flesh in the incarnation. Here at Christmas, we've just experienced it and made his dwelling Skenao, say that with me, skenao, among us. It means to tent or to encamp, to occupy, to tabernacle, to reside. It's God's protection. It's his communion with us. Like Jesus' communion with the Father when he was on earth, God desires to skenao with us as well. The message paraphrases it this way. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. It was eight years ago this month that my husband and I and our three-year-old son, Tyler, at the time, slid into Holland, Michigan on a cold, wintry night, very much like this weekend that we're experiencing. When we first moved to Holland, we were told that living in Holland, Michigan was a little bit like living in a snow globe, and we kind of have experienced that. We happen to love snow, so it works out for us. But as we moved in that night and as we came into town, our friends were with us and they thought we had lost it. See, we had left a church family that loved us and left a home that we loved, believing that God had called us to this beautiful community and we have never doubted that. We want to thank you so much for loving us so well. We are blessed to be family. But as we moved in, not knowing where my husband would find work, we had the privilege of moving into a temporary dwelling, which is right here on the campus in the Mission House. 
believing it would just be temporary. We put all of our earthly possessions in storage and trusted that in time, my husband would find work and we would have a home that was permanent for us. What's important for you to know, though, is that three months before we moved, my husband had his seventh back surgery. And in that surgery, it did help somewhat with his mobility, but it happened to nick a nerve. And that nerve continued his chronic pain that he had dealt with for so many years. And it meant that he wasn't going to be able to work anytime soon. And so what we thought was going to be a temporary dwelling meant moving from house to house, And finally, in that period of time, a family from this church offered us to live with them until we could get back on our feet. It was during that season that I found myself searching for home, longing for a place that I could find my own refuge to nest, if you will, and to settle in, to have a fortress, a place where I could make myself at home. And it was during that season that I began to hear God's invitation to me. And this was the invitation, Melinda, would you make yourself at home in me? Could I be your home? You see, from the time we moved on that snowy December evening to the time we moved into our permanent residence that we live in now, three years passed. And all that time, most of our belongings were in storage. Now, I want to make a recommendation to you right now. Don't store things for three years. (laughs) Moth and rust do destroy. And simplicity is a gift. But I learned a greater lesson. I learned what it meant to have Christ be my home. And I found that there was joy in the midst of the search. We did love the snow. This is Ty in one of our houses that we were in. And God was present with us the whole time. See, Psalms 91 tells us, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my fortress and my God in whom I trust. And I just want to tell you from the very beginning this morning, if you are searching for home today, Christ invites you, make yourself at home in him. You see, humanity was created to have home with the Spirit, to be at home with his, in His presence. That's how we were designed. Even if we go all the way back to the beginning, I spoke about John earlier, in the beginning was the Word, but way back to the beginning in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then we find the first humans experiencing communion with God. It's this beautiful thing in the garden. And then in chapter 3, when those humans decided they didn't need to be in communion with their creator or they, maybe they knew better and they turned their back on their creator and sin entered the world and separated them from their God and communion was no longer possible. Yet, this loving God, this reckless love of God still longed to dwell with his people and though he didn't continually dwell in the Old Testament, we do discover in Exodus When the people of Israel were leaving Egypt, we find that he wanted to dwell with them again. And so he told his people, I want you to make a tent for me, a place where I can dwell among you. And so in Exodus 25, the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. They have to make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. 
Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. This tabernacle, or tent of meeting in Hebrew, mishkan, is a general word for tent or dwelling. And in the Pentateuch, particularly, the tabernacle most often refers to a special dwelling place of God among the Hebrew people during their wandering through the wilderness. This tabernacle was an abode for God's glory before the building of Solomon's temple in Jerusalem, and it looked a little bit like this. Now, in this tabernacle, this place was set apart. It was sanctified for God's holy purposes, and there were tents that separated the holy from the unholy. In this place, sacrifices were made so that the sins of the people could be atoned for and the people could again dwell with God. Now David, King David, came along and he, he said, I want to create a more permanent dwelling for my God. But instead of him, the Lord told him, no, it's not going to be you, David, but your son Solomon. And he will build a temple for my name, a place for me to reside. And in 1 Kings we find, my father David had it in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, you did well to have it in your heart to build a temple for my name. Nevertheless, you are not the one to build the temple, but your son, your own flesh and blood, he is the one who will build the temple in my name. And Solomon did build this temple. It was beautiful and ornate, and he followed the instructions given to him by God. But even Solomon himself says, I don't know if God's spirit can be contained in these walls. Solomon's temple was eventually destroyed when the children of Israel went into exile. But then God restored Israel and Zerubbabel's temple was built and eventually Herod's temple. The remains of Herod's temple today are the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. But the old system changed when Jesus came to dwell. Did you hear me? The old system went away when Jesus came to dwell. And this is what N.T. Wright had to say of it. Jesus is the word who was with God before creation. As the word of God, Jesus became flesh and lived among God's people, Israel. These who believe, those who believed in him were given the right to become God's children. Israel had received a revelation of God's will in the law of Moses, but they had not seen God. He lived in the tabernacle Moses built, but his glory was concealed within the most holy place. Jesus revealed God's grace and truth and living among his people. In him, they saw his glory. You see, when Christ was born and he dwelled among us in flesh and blood in this earth, and then he was crucified and died and buried, was raised to life, no longer was there a, was there a veil that was separating the holy from the unholy. His death on the cross gave us direct access to the Father. And those who were full of sin and who did not have the right to become children of God now could become children of God. He gave us the right. He was able to forgive us of our sins and live in his fullness. But the beautiful thing is it didn't stop there. He didn't just go up to heaven and leave us alone. He gave us the gift of his Holy Spirit. And the most incredible thing, my friends, is not only that Christ wants us to dwell in him and that we can make our home in him, here's the incredible thing. Christ wants to make himself at home in you. You are his temple. 
1 Corinthians tells us this. Do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And it's not just an individual call. It's a call to all of us. Christ wants to make himself at home in us. You see, that first scripture was singular, individual. But again, in Corinthians, in chapter 3, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are God's temple. For, though, for through him, we have access to the Father. Would you come with me to Ephesians chapter 2? If you have a Bible with you, I'd love for you to get that out. Ephesians chapter 2, and beginning with verse 18. <clears throat> Ephesians 2, beginning with verse 18. Paul reminds us of this call. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. My friends, Christ wants to make himself at home in us. Go to chapter 3 in Ephesians. How is this possible for us? How is it possible for Christ to make himself at home in us? Let's hear the prayer of Paul to the believers, beginning with verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the reckless love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This goes on to say, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we've ever asked or imagined according to his power that is at work within us, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus now and forevermore. The word dwell in the Greek here means to settle down as a permanent resident. A dwelling place as one's personal resident to be exactly at home. Is Christ at home in you? Paul's prayer asks that God may strengthen believers by his Holy Spirit in their inner being. They, want, they will know the prayer has been answered when Christ feels at home in their hearts and they experience this incredible love more and more. 
But how do we host the Spirit? How do we prepare for such a guest? Now, if you are a guest with us this morning, maybe you're visiting some family, I pray that you make yourself at home. I pray that you've had a great holiday, a great Christmas season. I just returned yesterday from Oklahoma City, and if you want to know how long the ride is, it's a really long ride, especially when there's snow. But it worked out. I have two sisters, and my mom lives here, as well as my Papa Don, and we had a great time with family. And as we were together, even before I arrived, our family did a great deal to prepare for us. They washed the sheets, they put out the best guest towels, they prepared meals, because when we arrived, they wanted us to feel at home, and we did. But I have been thinking about this quite a bit. You know, there's a big difference between being a holiday guest and a permanent resident. I wonder if I would have said to my family before we left on Friday, hey friends, we are having such a great time. The food is awesome. I love food being made for me. I'd love to just stay. Can I just stay and live here? And they're so gracious, they probably would have figured out a way to work it out. But I wonder how long it would be before I'd stop using the guest house. Because there's a difference. You see, my mom naturally has the gift of hospitality. When I was growing up, my dad was an athletic director, and one of the things my dad would do a lot is he would call my mom up. And I can remember, even as a little girl, he would say, hey, um, Linda is my mom's name. He would say, hey, Linda, the team is coming over for dinner. And it would happen often unexpectedly, bless her heart. And I remember as a little girl, my mom saying to me, um, hey, it's really important that you go and get your room clean. And so often as a little girl, what, what, what do you think I would do? I would go and shove things under my bed and throw them in the closet, right? And one trick that my mom had was she would light a bunch of candles. And I was the designated candle lighter in our house, and I would go and light as many candles as possible because my mom said, if it smelled good, nobody would notice the dirt. (laughs) And I have to tell you, if you come to my house today, you're going to find lots of candles lit, so no judgment. (laughs) Here's the beauty. You know, I find that we, too, try to prepare for Christ as a guest as if somehow we can make ourselves clean before he comes in. Christ didn't ask us to do that. No, actually, we do not need to clean up the house for Christ to come and dwell. We invite Christ to come in to dwell, and he cleans up the house. We don't transform ourselves. We can't, and he never asks us to. It's the power of his Holy Spirit working within us day after day that creates his spirit and the old goes away and the new comes. We don't have to cover it up or pretend that it's not there. And if we've learned anything in this season, we've learned that God does not expect perfection. He also doesn't want to be a holiday visitor. He longs to be a permanent resident. He wants his fullness to reside in us. And fullness means in the New Testament, the body of believers as that which is filled with the presence and power and agency and riches of God and of Christ, that you may become a body that is wholly filled and flooded with God. Anybody want to be flooded with God this 2018? 
fullness. See, he doesn't want just one room in your house. He wants the whole house. Paul prays for the power of the Spirit so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. He is not just talking about one-time dramatic experience, but whether an ongoing experience of God's power to change our hearts as we walk in his Spirit every day that results in Christ taking up residency in us in a deeper, more conscious way than we even experienced when we were at conversion, we were saved. God doesn't require our perfection, but he does require our permission. When I was seven years old, I allowed Christ into the front door of my house, my spiritual house. But when I was 17, I gave him the keys to the whole house, to every room in the house. And the beautiful thing was, even though that's a very specific time that God did that for me, guess what? Every day since, I've been giving him the keys again and again and again. And I wonder what this year has been like for you. For some of you today, You've allowed Christ to be in the front porch, but you've never let him in the door. And why would you? You're not even sure you believe he's real. And someone dragged you in this morning. Thank you for coming. You're not sure that he even exists. And even if he did exist, you are positive he wouldn't want to dwell in your house. You're pretty sure the enemy of your soul has told you that, that your past is too big for him to handle. And you are terrified of the light of his presence coming into your house because it, what it might uncover. Still, Christ invites you. He wants to make himself at home in your house. You know... Christ is not far off. He is not watching at a distance, as some song lyrics might say. No, Christ is right here in the neighborhood, and he is knocking at your door. Revelation says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He's knocking. And I want to tell you, whether you're in this room or watching online this morning, I have prayed for you specifically today. I have prayed that you would hear your new name and that you would know that God loves you. Remember the the passions that we went over earlier. Those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that's you. God so loved the world He so loved the world that those who believe in him could have eternal life. 1 John 1, 9, if you you confess your sins, he will forgive your sins and heal you from all unrighteousness, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you want the light of Christ to dwell with you in his fullness, you have to begin by giving him the keys to the front door of your life and praying, Jesus, please forgive me. And he will come in. For many of you, you've let him in the front door. And it's been an incredible thing. As you've let him in the door, you've recognized that the light, when the light of his presence come in, comes in, his fullness comes with it and his joy and his peace that the world doesn't have to offer 
comes with it as well. He truly did come to bring us goodness and light. You might have invited him into your foyer, or maybe you've even had him dine at your table. He's in the house. But just like me, there may be some rooms that have been locked off from him. Maybe intentionally or unintentionally, you've, keep, you've kept them hidden away. And Christ says, it's great, I'm so thankful to be in the front door, but I didn't, I didn't come just to save you from your sins. I came to sanctify you, to set you apart, to give you a purpose. And that's what he desires for you today. We aren't just to be trudging through this life without purpose. He came to dwell among you, to have communion with you. And yet... We keep those doors locked. What's the name of your room that's locked today? If I would open the spiritual door of my house, you would see one of my rooms. It was labeled fear. This is a room I give to Christ every day. I give him back the keys. Fear of not measuring up. Fear of the unknown. Fear of failure. Fear of what others think, fear of the future. And as I stay in that room, and if I, if, I, if I keep it locked off, that room has created some hurts and habits and hang-ups in me, like emotional eating and workaholism and approval addiction, anxious thoughts. But when I give Christ the key, this amazing thing happens. The light of his glory comes in, and instead of fear, I get peace. It's a trade. Did you hear the song today, Beauty for Ashes, Hope for Despair? Philippians 4, 6 is one of my favorite verses. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but with thanksgiving, with everything, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends your understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Peace. Maybe we'll walk a little bit further down the hallway, and here's another one of my rooms. If these walls could talk, they would speak of years of my husband's illness or a father dying way too early or years of infertility and adoption difficulties. But you know what I have found as I let the light of Christ come in and dwell? Hope can be present at the same time as grief. And my mom says it this way, your joy can only go as high as your suffering goes deep. Hope does not disappoint us because hope is a person. And I have found and met Christ in this room so many times. In fact, I think it's my favorite room because he's dwelled with me in such sweet ways in this room. In fact, I learned to pray in faith in this room, to pray in faith for children I didn't know about. He asked me over 20 years ago to start praying for my children, and I had no idea how that would come about. After 12 years of marriage, our son Tyler was born, who is now 11, and he is one of the greatest gifts of our life. He was adopted from Florida. We're so grateful for him. And when I began this message, I was going to tell you about another child that's been in this room for a long time that we've still been praying for for over 20 years. 
But the beauty of allowing Christ to have access of every room in your heart also gives him permission to work in whatever ways he wants to behind the scenes in ways that we often can't see. And it may feel like nothing is happening, but my friend, something is happening and he is worth the wait. About a month and a half ago, we had an adoption Sunday here. We celebrated adoption of Foster Sunday. And Pastor Nate was up here praying. And while he was, I was at these altars right here. And at these altars, I was in my disappointment room. And I was talking to my Heavenly Father about the fact that there was the second child I felt he had instructed me to pray for, but I didn't know where this child was and why it was taking so long for us to find this child. And I kind of had a conversation with God. <laughs> and he said this, Melinda, I want you to pray for a child before Christmas. And I said, what? That's impossible in the natural. There's no way. We've been working with an adoption agency for over three years. You, you know, that's, you know, God, that's not going to happen. He said, I, I'm asking you to pray that way. So I, I did. And I called some friends and I said, would you stand in faith with me? I don't know that I have the faith right now for this, but you, your faith will help me stand strong. And so well, let's stand in faith together and believe for this. Well, on November 30th, I was here at the church. I had stayed up till two the night before doing a cheesecake I found on Pinterest, ladies, for Christmas desserts. I wouldn't, re wouldn't recommend that. It was a good cheesecake, but not worth the two o'clock in the morning. My neighbors were coming to Christmas desserts that night. I was excited that they were gonna be at my table. I had set up the table out there, and I had gone to my office, and about 10 o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call from our caseworker, and she said, uh, Melinda, and I said, yes. She said, I, I have some good news for you. And I said, you do? And she said, yeah, a baby boy was born yesterday, and um, you need to come to the hospital right now. He, this is your baby boy. He's waiting for you. You need to come right now. Well, my husband was getting on a plane, so the first thing I did was hung up on her and called my husband. I said, don't get on the plane. His luggage went with the plane, but he didn't, praise the Lord. And as we were meeting to drive to Grand Rapids, Michigan, I realized God moves in ways we can't even think or imagine. And it was by two o'clock that afternoon that I was holding our precious son. Now, he, I introduced him in the first service. Oh, here he is. <laughs> <laughs> this is my husband, Jason, and I'd like to introduce, ooh, sorry, baby. This is Joseph Mylan Priest, and um, a 20-year prayer request. See, God's ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And when we give him access to every room, he is able to work behind the scenes. And I want to say to those of you who are waiting this morning, and you believe God has given you a dream or he has spoken to you to pray in a certain way, keep praying. Don't give up hope. He is for you. And the light of God's goodness is still on its way. It's worth the wait. You know what, the reality I discovered with Joseph was there was no time to prepare. In fact, I couldn't even light any candles. 
but God had prepared our hearts. He'd been in our heart a long time. And Joseph is not coming for a holiday visit. He's coming as a permanent resident. We now have permanent custody of him, and in a few months, the adoption will be final. And we praise the Lord for the privilege that we have to offer home to this young boy. What an honor to host. And God wants us to allow our hearts to be open so that we can host his presence because he has adopted us as well. And it doesn't matter where you've been or what 2017 has looked like, what a better way to start 2018. But to start with being adopted and knowing that you are a child of the Most High God. Joseph, are you a little tired? <laughs> Thank you, honey. Oh, he's got a little cough. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I don't know what your rooms are. I don't know what their names are. Maybe most of your house is flooded, but there's a room in the attic that nobody knows about. Could you give him the keys to that today? Because, see, the reality is when we allow Christ to dwell in his fullness, not only do we get to be at home in him and he makes himself at home in us, we offer home to others. We offer the light of Christ to others. Just like John, we become a witness to the light. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you and you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth because people are dying for hope and life and that's what this church exists for. You see, when the light of Christ floods the house, the rest of the neighborhood is impacted and the light goes from house to house to house. I believe with my whole heart when the church individually and corporately allows Christ to fill our house with the light of his presence, we become an illuminating witness to a dark world that is desperate to find their way back home. See, having his light in us isn't just about us. What if your New Year's resolution, rather than all those other things you have in your list, was to allow Christ to make himself at home in you. And what would 2018 look like if in our homes and in our neighborhoods at Central Wesleyan Church, if we started this new year by inviting Christ to shine the light of his glorious presence into every room of our spiritual house, Deuteronomy says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. He wants all of you. And he wants to fill you not just one time, but to fill you again and again and again and again. He wants you to be flooded with his presence so that it ekes out of every pore of you the light of Christ. Really, the only question left this morning is, will you give him the keys? Will you give him the keys?